Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. All right, Freedom House, can we just give God one more hand clap for all the people that got baptized today? Woo! Isn't that great? My favorite day, man. I love, I love watching people go down, one person come up and next, and, and uh, I love watching the guys that are baptizing because they don't know what's happening, and, and in the sense of they're, they're getting touched by God in a powerful way. One of the guys that's going to be doing our second service is Randy McCurry, and they, they make a joke that there's more water in the pool after he finishes baptizing than before because he's crying the whole time. And so, uh, so fantastic. So good to see every one of you. Also, just want to welcome all of our live streamers. Thank you for joining us today. Church, can we give them a big hand? Don't forget that every weekend we offer live stream. You can participate. I know uh, it's getting to be that vacation time, but you don't have to miss church. Don't skip church while you're on vacation. Just settle around the television and, and watch or the computer and watch and join with your family and you can celebrate Christ as you travel. Hey, we're starting a new series today called Taming the Tongue, which I think is a great transition over into from our spiritual warfare message that we just finished last month. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something and as it came out of your mouth, you were like, come on. How about this morning? Raise your hand if it was this morning that you said something. Maybe last week, you just, it came out of your mouth and you wish you could hit the review button, the, the rewind button, because what came out, you wished you never said in your life. Or maybe you walked in out of a conversation and you wished you had said something. You were like, man, I missed an opportunity to say this. I missed an opportunity. So you're driving home and after a meeting and you're like, man, I wish I would have been able to say this. I wish I would have been able to say that. Gosh, I wish I would have thought about this. How about, have you ever had a situation where you have words that you rehearse over and over again in your mind? Maybe when you're laying in bed and it's quiet, everybody else is asleep in the house, and you're wide awake because you're going over that conversation over and over and over again. I call it monkey mind. You get that monkey mind. You just, you just, just rolling and rolling. You can't sleep hours and hours and you're just rehearsing the words. How about, how about those words that, that you have heard in your past that kind of almost define who you are? Maybe it's in a good way or maybe sadly it's in a bad way. I'm sure you've heard this nursery rhyme. Maybe you can finish it for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Not true. That's not true. I know we used to say that as kids. We would say, hey, you can, you know, you can throw rocks at me. That's going to hurt me. But what you say, it doesn't hurt me. Actually, words are very powerful. I want you to look at Proverbs 18. This is our foundational verse for this entire scripture. I'm going to teach a little bit today. So I want you to get your, your notepad out, get your phone out, get your notes out, take some notes, write some things down. I'm going to help you tame the tongue. Verse 20, Proverbs chapter 18, it says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. In other words, the harvest of your tongue is what satisfies your inner person. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life. Everybody say death and life. 
Now, this is important to understand because, especially in the day that we live in, words are very powerful. Our culture uh, captures vocabulary and uses it to determine the direction of our country, of culture, of pop culture. But the Bible is where it all started. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, in other words, those who understand it, will eat its fruit. See, here's the truth. The quality of life that you are living today is a result of what you said yesterday. Your life is determined by what comes out of your mouth. Now, why is that? I think it's a good question. Why why is it words are so powerful? Why Why did God give us the ability to speak and know that our words are so powerful? I think we have to go all the way back to the beginning. I think every foundational principle that we walk in in life is defined in the book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, after God created the heavens and the earth, it said, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. We are introduced to God as a speaking God. The first introduction that we have with the maker of the universe is that he speaks, that he talks, that he has words that come out of his mouth, and all of his creation, he goes through the next six days, and all of his creation is built around what is coming out of his mouth. And then what happens that's really cool is in Genesis chapter 2, it says, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and notice what happened, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You can't talk without breath. And so God gives us his life breath, brings us to life. And here's the the incredible thing about this when I get this picture. If you think about God breathing, he formed, you know, Adam. He he got some mud. And and this is important to understand because this just kind of just gets rid of the whole idea of skin color is we're all just different colors of dirt. Just some a little darker than others, some a little lighter than others. So let's just get over it, you know, because we're all just dirt. And so, so, so get this picture, because this is what I see. Adam's on the ground, you know, he's this molded creature. He's this, this, this human being made in the likeness of God. And in order to breathe into someone's nostrils, you, you can't do it from a long ways. It's not like, you know, Aaron's on the front row. Did you feel that, buddy? He might have felt the spit come off my mouth, but that's why we have the front row where it is. That's the anti-spit zone. No, no. In order to breathe in someone's nostrils, you have to be really close to them. So think about the first inhale that Adam has. He sees the face of God. Opens his eyes, and there's God right there. And he is now a living being, the Bible says. Or let me say it this way. He is a speaking being. Because we are the only creature that has been given the ability to speak. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about my parrot? Because, you know, I I, I got a parrot and and he tells me all kinds of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. No, we are the only creature that God made that has the the ability to speak, form words. And those words are extremely powerful. God uses words to create. 
He uses words to contain, and he uses words to continue. And he still does today. The, the, the whole earth is framed. Let me give you a couple verses here that I think is important to, to understand. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, talking about the entire world. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds, the universe is framed by the word of God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. How was healing come? It comes through the word of God. Listen to this. The word, this is the most powerful part of it, this is what we celebrated today, is that the word became a human being. His name is Jesus, full of grace and truth, and lived among us. God used his word to speak Jesus into existence, and Jesus became the fruit of his words. The quality of your life that you're living today is dependent upon what you said yesterday. So let's just frame that in the future. If you want a better life, you know where it starts? With your mouth. You want a better life for your kids. You want a better life for your marriage. You want a better life for your business. You want, you want a better life for your ministry. It all starts with what comes out of our mouth. Now, let me just, let's just dig into this a little bit because I think it's important. And I want to talk specifically about James chapter 3. Now, James was a pastor. He was Jesus' brother. And he wrote an entire chapter on the tongue. Now, here's the interesting thing about this book, and I'll give you a little homework, all right? No tests, no, no quizzes next week, but I'd encourage you over the next few days is to read the whole book of James, because the book of James is centered around James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is the, is the target, and every chapter that James wrote, James chapter 1, James chapter 2, James chapter 4, and James chapter 5, are all centered around James chapter 3. Follow me here. James chapter 1 is about temptation. How you deal with temptation? It is written, the word. James chapter 2 is faith. Talks about faith. Faith without works is dead. How do you start your faith? By what you say. Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain, it shall be removed and be cast into the sea. James chapter 4 is all about conflict. How do you resolve conflict? You don't run away from it. You communicate your way through conflict. James chapter 5 is all about prayer. The prayer of a righteous man shall availeth much. How do you pray? Using your words. And so James takes James chapter 3 and he kind of gives us a target and he talks about it. And we're going to work through this today. Now, before I get into what comes out of your mouth, we've got to deal with one particular issue that we have that's maybe different than other cultures or other generations. It's called social media. And I want to talk about this for a second because social media now is a whole different use of our words. If you don't think that your words on social media are powerful, then you're wrong. Because here's the thing. God is going to write down every bit of what you say. You just made it easier for him when you put it on social media. So when we get to heaven and he starts to kind of give us everything that we said, because every idle word that has ever been spoken by us is written down. So for some of us, he's just going to pull up our Instagram account, our Facebook account. And he goes, hey, I just want to go down what you said. Social media is very powerful. There was an interview recently with Julia Roberts and Oprah Winfrey, a podcast done. 
I've been doing a lot of studying on social media. I've been on a two-week, I've been on a 30, I'm in the middle of a 30-day hiatus from social, fast from social media. And so I've been studying a lot about it because I wanted to see the effects of it and how it affects people. And, and a friend of mine told me about an interview between Julia Roberts and Oprah Winfrey. And Julia Roberts, she may have an Instagram account, but she's not on it. Somebody else runs it. Sad. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. Didn't mean to ruin it for you. But she is not involved in it at all. And the reason why she's not involved in it is because her and her niece, Emma Roberts, were having breakfast one morning. And they took a picture. Emma says, hey, let's take a picture, Julia, and let's put it on Instagram. And so she took a little selfie between her and Julia Roberts, and they put it on Instagram. And suddenly, within just seconds, the comments started to roll in. And Julia said, some of the nastiest things that have ever been said to me started to roll in on this comments. You look old. You look terrible. I can't believe you didn't put makeup on. You look like a man. And then the arguments started to happen within the comments. And she said to Oprah Winfrey, she said, I am Julia Roberts. I make $20 million a movie. I've been on every basic, basically every cover of every big magazine. And it took me a week to get over the comments that were said about me. I wonder how a 13-year-old girl feels. I wonder how long it takes her to recover from the statements. Listen, Christians. Listen, we do have a powerful tool. How are you using it? James says that our job is to never speak evil of anyone among our brethren. Christians, stop tearing down other Christians. Like my mama used to say, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just... Like my grandma used to say, shut up. Sean Parker, one of the creators of Facebook, said this. I want to read this to you because I think this is important to hear exactly what he said in regards to social media, especially Facebook. He said, the former president of Facebook spoke about how Facebook is designed to prey on a psychological vulnerability within people. Parker said that Facebook takes advantage of human vulnerabilities and the human need for social validation and is possibly rewriting human brains. The creators of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just so you know, the creators do not let their kids have social media. Just, just, just letting you know what's happening in our culture. So our words are very powerful. And when you put them down on a screen against someone... Or maybe even for someone. Just remember that they're very powerful. Extremely powerful. All right, so let's let's dig into this and let's look through this chapter, chapter 3. I'm going to work through it really, really quickly. James chapter 3, verse 2. It says, indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues. So James is telling us, look, if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect or mature and could also control ourselves in every other way. In other words, what James is saying is my tongue displays my maturity. So what comes out of my mouth 
actually displays how mature I am, how aware I am of my surroundings, and how adaptive I am in regards to the people that I am with. And so when I use my words correctly, when I use my tongue correctly, what I'm doing is I'm showing that I I have a level of maturity. And I believe, I really personally believe this, that maturity comes with self-awareness. And some people just don't have any self-awareness when it comes to uh, what's coming out of their mouth. And that's why James is telling us, look, if you can just guard it. And we're going to talk about how to do it in just a few minutes. But if you can just guard that maturity. And he tells us different tests because your maturity is test on a daily basis. Especially as believers because the verse right before this talks about those that are given the ability to teach the word of God. I am held to a different standard than you are. And so i got to be real careful what comes out of my mouth. People ask me all the time, what's your greatest challenge as a pastor? What I'm doing right now to make sure I'm saying the right things to you. Because every one of you are hearing something different. I could probably interview all 800 of you and those that are watching online, and you probably will walk away with something different. People tell me all the time, hey, you said this. I'm like, I didn't even say that. Like, where did you get that from? Why is that? Because there is a voice within my voice. That's what I pray for all week long, is that the voice that you hear is not necessarily mine, but God speaking through me. And so I'm held to a standard, and whenever you stand before God and his people and you are to declare something, make sure it's from God. But here's the truth. We know in part, so we prophesy in part. So there's always a little bit of me and a little bit of God. I just want way more God than me. And you want to make sure that happens when it comes to your tongue and how you're using your tongue. And so it displays your maturity. Let's keep going. James chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Now, I used to have a horse. His name was Buck. His name fits him very well. And he was a, little, he was a pony. And in order to ride Buck... You had, I wore an entire football uniform, (laughs) helmet, shoulder pads, knee pads, thigh pads, all of it. I wore it all. And the reason why is because we did not have a bit for Buck. All we had was a bridle that would fit over his head. And so here's what happened. This is the way I would ride Buck. We would would put the saddle on him at at the barn. We would put the bridle on him. And then I would get on him, and then my dad would let go of Buck, and he would take off to the fence, and he would stop abruptly, and then his namesake would kick into gear, Buck, and he would buck me off. And then I would get back on him at the fence, and then he would run all the way back to the barn and stop. That was the back and forth. It was it. Back and forth. All because I didn't have a bit. It would have been so easy if my dad, I don't know what he was trying to teach me or something, I don't know. But man, you can move a big old horse with just a small little bit. And small rudder makes a huge sip turn where the, wherever the rudder, wherever the pilot chooses, just a little turn in the steering wheel makes a little rudder compared to the size of the ship. Just a small little rudder can turn a huge boat through the winds, though the winds are strong. So here's what we got to learn. Here's what James is teaching us. My tongue directs my life. And it's small. It's a small little muscle. I like this. It says, your words don't take you somewhere you never wanted to go. They amplify something your heart wants. 
Your words aren't taking you somewhere you don't want to go, but they're simply amplifying what is actually in your heart. This is what Jesus, when he meant out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can't hide. If your mouth is open and words are coming out of your mouth, you cannot hide what is in your heart. And what is in your heart is really where you want to go. That directs your life. It's how, it, how, how God leads your life. He wants to use that course. Your tongue draws you either farther away from God or closer to God. Let's keep going. Let's see what Pastor James has to say. He says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Again, what he's talking here is he's trying to, look, look, this is just a small little thing. Just work. Your tongue is such a small part of your body, but man, it can change a lot of things. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Fire, when used in the proper state, can cook things and it can keep you warm. But you take it out of its proper state and it can cause lots of damage. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It is set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I think he's trying to make a point. What is the point? Is that my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue can destroy what I have. How, how does it do that? It, it, it's just, just a little bit. Let, let me give you a couple ideas. Just a little bit of gossip can destroy trust. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. My gossip goes around telling secrets. That's what gossip is. Gossip is, and, and here's, here, let me just give you a little rule of thumb. If you have a tendency to gossip and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to share something with you, don't tell anybody, and you can't, just tell them. I can't. I just do not have the ability to do that. <laughs> if you tell me, I'm going to tell somebody. Just be honest with them. Right? Come on. I mean, I'd rather be, be honest. Because then, and then, you, and then what we do as Christians, right, here's what we do. We disguise it in a prayer request. <laughs> hey, we really need to pray for Stephanie today. Ooh, Jesus, hallelujah. Ooh, I feel the Lord in this place. Let me tell you what's going on with Stephanie. And it's funny how we start talking about her, but we never get around to doing the very thing that started the whole conversation, which is praying for him. That's called a gossip. And here's the thing about gossips. Gossips hang around with gossips. Gossips hang around with gossips. They, they just, like attracts like. And we call them prayer meetings a lot of times. <laughs> There's no prayer happening at all. It's all about, well, let me tell you about her, and let me tell you about him and them, and ooh, Jesus, and oh, Lord. And, and we can put all the good words in there, bless and Lord and in Jesus' name, but all we want to do is tell somebody and break trust. So a gossip goes around. Is this okay, guys? Is this all right? I just want to make sure. All right. Because y'all y'all getting quiet out there. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. 
Just a little bit of gossip. Not a lot, just a little bit of gossip. Just, just a little bit of strife can destroy relationships. Here's what the Bible says. It's an honorable, it's, it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Anybody can start a fight. What's, what's strife? Strife is constant conflict without desire to resolve. Now, we know people like this. We, you aren't this. But we know people in other services that are like this. <laughs> in other places. Because we won't talk about ourselves. A, a stri- person who's striving is contentious. Their, their desire is to fight for the sake of fighting. They, they, they want to fight. They want to engage you in something in order to draw you to a certain place. And, and fight, fight. It, it's like... It's like their emotions have to have it in order to survive. You you know, we all know people like this, that drama just constantly follows them. And and what happens with people that, that strive a lot is they're always the victim. But here's what I've learned a long time ago. If everywhere Bob goes, there's the problem, there's a problem, then Bob's probably the problem. If everywhere Bob goes, there's a problem, then Bob's probably the problem. He's probably the one that's causing it. And so there's just drama following them everywhere they go. That's called strife. God doesn't like strife, by the way. The Bible says hatred stirs up strife. So it usually comes out. Again, it all comes from the heart. And it can destroy relationships. The last one is discord. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination. Everybody say abomination. Let me just tell you, it's one thing to not be liked by God. It's another thing to be called an abomination. Hello. What is the abomination? The seventh one is one who sows discord among the brethren. This is, this is a serious one. Because if God calls, you, calls discord an abomination, I want to stay as far away from discord as I can. Now, what is discord? Discord seeks to divide. A little bit of discord destroys unity. Now, what is the difference between strife and discord? Discord has a spirit of division behind it. And its purpose is to tear down unity. And the way it does it is because it always promotes self over loyalty and unity. It always promotes myself, my agenda. So if I'm a sower of discord, it's all about me. It's all about my agenda. And if anybody, especially a leader in that environment, I'm going to attack them first in order to destroy those that are following that leader. And so the words are used to destroy the leader because they want to be the leader. They want to step into the place of leadership. They want to be the one that everybody is drawn to. So discord. In the Bible, just to give you a little story, David had a son named Absalom. And Absalom sowed discord among the king, among the whole unity of Israel. And the way he did it is he stayed at the gates of Israel. And when people would come in to be judged by King David, he would say, hey, come over here and talk to me and I'll help you make that decision. And so he would say what they wanted to hear, in, not, not to help them, but to draw them to himself in order to divide the kingdom 
And that's exactly what happened. Why? Because King David never dealt with Absalom, his son. And eventually, Absalom drew a whole group of people to himself, including some of King David's leaders. And as a result, it divided the kingdom. And it was terrible, horrible. So we got to be careful if we find ourselves in the place of discord. So our tongue, remember, the whole point of this is our tongue can destroy what we have. Here, here, let's keep going here. James chapter 3, verse 9, 9 and 10. Sometimes it praises, sometimes this tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come from pouring out, pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So what, what is he saying? What is James saying? My tongue demonstrates who I really am. It shows my real character. Character is about consistency. Character is honesty. Character is integrity. These steel beams that you see above you, and I've said this before, all of these steel beams have been tested to determine the integrity. And you want that. You don't want to be sitting up in a church that the steel beams haven't been tested of their integrity, meaning their strength has been tested so that it can carry the weight of this roof. They would not let us put the roof on without these beams being tested. Your mouth is the test of your integrity. And so many situations that are thrown out at us are to draw out. God's trying to draw out the bad. That's why he says, it's, it's odd that you can bless God here and then tear somebody down over here. Out of the same mouth, there, there shouldn't be blessing and cursing. Here's what he goes on to say. He says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? No, no. Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You, 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 you can't do it. In other words, what is really inside you is eventually going to come out. And you're going to see who you really are. Listen, time either heals or reveals. And so spending time with somebody, you can always tell. I always watch what pe- comes out of people's mouth. I try my best to be careful what comes out of mine. I tell you, the older I get, the less I talk. Seriously, I I try not to talk that much. I want to listen more than I talk. I want to hear. I want to make sure that I'm I'm, I'm checking my heart before something comes out. It's not easy. Let's be honest. It's not easy. It's not easy. That's why James finishes this thought. He says, no man can tame the tongue. That's the truth. You can't do it on your own. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I mean, you can do some damage. But here's the great thing. No, no, no. We can't tame it, but God can. So when we submit our mouth to him, then guess what? When you submit yourself to him, when you submit your life to him, you submit your mouth to him, then he will help you guard your mouth. So so let's talk about Let me give you three things on taming the tongue, and then we'll be done. Number one is you got to fill your mind with God's word you got to fill your mind because your mind, check this out, is the filter between your heart and your mouth. 
And when your mind is filled with the word of God, then your emotions won't control what comes out of your mouth. Because that's what happens. When we get emotional, we oftentimes say something. That's why I started this whole message off. You ever said anything in which you could bring it back? Bring it back, bring it back, Lord. Can you rewind it? Please, Lord, take that back. I I didn't mean to say that. You did kind of because out of the abundance of the heart. But if you could have controlled it with what was in your head and stopped it before it came out, oh, yeah, that would have been good. Nice little roadblock in there. Just a nice little speed bump. Some of us, the gates are wide open. And whatever we think just comes right on out of our mouth. We know people like that. that Everything that they think comes out. That's not good. And so our minds have to be filled with the word of God. And so set a guard, O Lord, good prayer. Set a guard, O God, I need you, God. Hello, God, hello, I need some help up here. Over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. God, I need your help with this. I need you to close the door. And guess what, God, I'm going to give you the key. And you're going to be the one that opens and closes this door based on what the word of God says. So it's going to flow through my mind. So my emotions, the word of God. Listen, your emotions should never be a thermostat. They shouldn't control the temperature of the environment. Make sure they're not connecting. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to be angry. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. And oftentimes the way we sin is by what comes out of our mouth. And so it's okay to be emotional, just let the, don't let those emotions control what comes out of your mouth. Here's the second thing, is think before you speak, amen? That kind of just says what it is, amen, just think. Just think, just think a little bit. Do I really need to say that? Does she really need to hear that? Is this the moment to make that statement? Should I really say that to him at this particular time? Maybe I need to press pause, just press time out, take a break. This happens in marriage all the time. Imagine if we could just think, ooh, there would be so much less fighting in our homes. Excuse me, intense fellowship. (laughs) Just think before you speak. We call, in our house, we call it a strife break. Because how many know, I know, and I'm I'm a very competitive person, and what tends to happen with two leaders like my wife and I is immediately one of us wants to win. We want to win this argument regardless of the effect of it. And my wife, she is so great at forgiving, but she has a terrible time forgetting. (laughs) Pray for her. (laughs) She is anointed in forgiving. So you got to just think, just think. So sometimes you got to take a timeout. Say, timeout, you go to your side of the house. I'm going to go to my side of the house. We're going to ask, talk to God for a little bit. And then when we come back together, when our emotions are down a little bit, when we're not, we've kind of, kind of diffused the angst in the room, and then we can really talk and communicate. Here's what James says. Oh, I love this, I love this, this quote by Sidlow Baxter. It says, the proof that God's spirit is in your life is not that you speak in an unknown tongue but you control the tongue you do know. Ooh, I didn't say it. Send him the email. (laughs) So let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And then here's the third thing, and then I'm done. 
is change your heart. Change your heart. Here's what Ezekiel says. He says, rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. In other words, you can ask God to change your heart and he will. Let me say it another way. If you ask God to give you a brand new heart, he will in Jesus' name. And that's how we tame the tongue. Why don't you stand up on your feet? Maybe you're in this place today. Maybe you're watching online today. And the truth is, is that you, you, you have some problems with your tongue. Hey, it's all right. We all go through seasons where we have a hard time. Our emotions are controlling, where there's a lot of stuff going on. But we can ask God, say, God, help me with my heart. God, help me with my heart. God, you said if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Cre- creature. He's a new creation. God, you, you said you could give us a, a new heart. Matter of fact, why don't you close your eyes? I don't want anybody looking around because I, I just want you to be honest. And we're not going to, I'm not even going to have you raise your hand. Maybe you have, maybe if you be honest, just be honest with God today. Maybe you're a little prone to gossip. God, give me a new heart. Maybe your drama seems to be following you around. I know it's easy to point the finger, but remember, there's three more pointing back at you. Instead of being the victim side, God, give me a new heart. Maybe, maybe lying. Maybe there's some things coming up. Maybe when you get pressed in a corner, you immediately tell a lie to get out of it. God, help, help me tame my tongue. Renew my mind. Give me a new heart. If you're here today, maybe watching online, and, and you've never given Jesus your heart. You've never submitted your will to him. Said, God, I give you everything. I want to pray for you today. I want to lead you a prayer. And maybe you fall into one of those categories and you say, God, I just need a new heart. Or maybe just a part of your heart needs to be fixed. How about we let God deal with that today? How about we give it to God, submit it to him, and watch what he can do in our lives? If that's you, just, just, why don't you just put your hand right on your heart. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Everybody say this with me. Even if you're online, just say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I believe that the blood of Jesus forgives me, washes me of all my sins, all my mistakes. God set a gate in my mind. Renew my mind. Give me a new heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap today. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.